keep listening to that inner voice keep listening to those soft knocks on your door of heart open your heart allow them to come in it'll find its way through you for you this is manisha gera baswani and you're listening to mash podcast about me um, how did i start art well according to my mother she says that i loved scribbling as most kids do but uh, in order not to say the word no she decided to put newspaper on the walls till the height that my hand could reach and let me scribble that i thought was something so invaluable that she she gave to me because most parents are not comfortable with the idea of kids scribbling on the wall in fact i am not i have two sons but i don't think i had that generosity which my mother had that i feel was the beginning of my art journey if i have to look back what my parents are uh, refugees post partition of india and having lost everything and having started life afresh a difficult life to come back to in a new land make a new home i have to say i must thank them profusely for letting me live my dream of becoming an artist most parents want kids at that time in fact to have become engineers doctors and my parents saw my love for art and they had enrolled me in a little private tuition my brother and i with the a bengali teacher and my childhood post school used to be going to him to make art and that is one of the most sweetest memories and i think that's when it all began for me my schooling when i was young also gave me access to some beautiful minds teachers who always encouraged me i went on to uh, delhi public school arkipuram in delhi where i was taught not by teachers but by practicing artists all of that i think had a huge imprint in in developing my aesthetic quality and my love for the arts when i was in the 12th standard i knew i wanted to do art i had very encouraging artist teachers who in fact even said if your parents have a problem we'll speak to them because you must pursue it and at that time art was not something people pursued it was something as it was it was a profession um very few had opted for unfortunately i didn't get admission in any of the so called prestigious colleges actually i should not say unfortunately i should say fortunately in hindsight because the universe always have a plan and i firmly believe that now that i'm 53 i was meant to go to jama millia islamia i was meant to have a ramachandran as my teacher my guru in fact and i was meant to study there for 6 years i did my bachelor's and fine arts at the jamia university and uh, i have continued to go back to my teacher who i really do call my guru a ramachandran for 
for a constant dose of learning uh you know in asterix you have you have the cauldron from which obelix takes his uh, magic potion and ramachandran is that for me he's my cauldron of magic potion it was after college that i went on to study in paris while i was studying at jamia i was also doing my bachelor's in french so yes i had a very a long day i i worked hard at it mornings i would do french from 9 to 5 i would do bachelor's in fine arts I went on to do the same in in masters so i actually went on to do 8 years of french while i was doing my bachelor's and masters and by the time i finished my masters i was fluent in the language written and spoken which helped me also get a scholarship to paris and it was there that i really understood what my country is sometimes you have to go outside where you are to value what you have whether it's your nation whether it's your parents whether it's what you what you have as friends it gives it gives a perspective when you are away from something i would say the same about your work we get so attached to it but when we look back sometimes we are able to see so much flaws strengths so many things and as i said going to paris helped me rediscover my country i came back and i started working full time in my studio meanwhile for a year and a half i also worked with dr kapila vatsayan and ranjit makuni uh, for a project called the geet govinda at that time in 1991 it was one of those rare multimedia projects you know touch technology and all that it hadn't really reached india the way it was planned at that time and the project went on to go to various museums it was a new technology at that time even for the west working with dr vatsayan working with professors musicians dancers at the indira gandhi center for arts gave me so much access to my own country's treasures simultaneous visits to my teacher my guru mr ramachandran all of it started coming back in my practice my initial works had a lot about my family and uh, i think the idea of what what i live with my my dreams my experiences my family comes directly in my work it did then in the 1990s and it continues to do so even now if i was to look back at the last 30 years of my work i can actually see my body of work me before i got married life was all about my parents my brother it was all about indoors my works had a lot of indoor spaces and uh, it was when i went to paris i saw myself making works from outside in the sense peeping from inside out and looking at the outside and this is all in hindsight it's when i'm looking at my body of work to see what i was doing at that time my works post marriage became all about my children my experiences my first ultrasound my first child my second ultrasound my second child my marriage my relationships 
So I can actually go back and look at a visual line of my works as I look back at the last 30 years. I can see my life visually transport myself to where I was before marriage, to where I am now. And it's all about uh, my life. And if you ask me, was I doing it consciously? No, I'm quite an organic artist. I like to start working on a blank piece of paper or canvas. And it is only in hindsight I reflect on what I've done. I'm not somebody who plans work, who decides to make 100 sketches before I start a work. Uh, my work is very detailed. It, it is very dexterous. And uh, one would think that I have done a whole lot of studies before I've um, started a work. But no, it is very organic. It is straight away brush to paper or brush to canvas. And that's how I begin my work. If I have to uh, talk about what I'm doing now, let me just first say what I've done in the last uh, 15, 20 years uh, before I speak about where my body of work is presently. I, While I was painting, I have been documenting my teacher, Mr. Ramachandran, this is actually almost for 30 years. I would carry my still camera, my video camera, and even my dictaphone and um, photograph him and record him. Sometimes I would go with pre-planned questions. And if you ask me why I was doing that, the only thing I can say is my teacher is a recluse. And every time I would come back and tell myself, wow, what a beautiful day. I learned so much. And I felt I needed to document it, to share it with the world sometime, to share what I'm learning with students of art, with connoisseurs of art, because there was so much to learn from him and still is. I continue to do that. This is in 1991 that I started going actively to his home and studio. And I do so even now. It's uh, 2021 this year. So when I was doing so-called a kind of documentation, visual uh, audio of my teacher, I started getting very comfortable with the idea of having a camera hanging on my shoulder. And so did my artist friends. And somehow I started photographing my artist friends and their studios when we would go for lunches, when they would come to my house, or at that time we had a lot of, you know, um, trips, artist trips, artist camps, so to say, taken by galleries. And the camera became a very dear companion for me. I started photographing artists wherever I went. And because I'm a fellow artist, most friends were comfortable with me photographing them. I almost became like a fly on the wall. I was there, but I was not kind of intimidating uh, as a presence. And uh, so many times I would be in an artist friend's studio and they continued painting as if I didn't exist. So I started actually photographing the art world. I would travel outside my city, which is Delhi. And uh, even if it was for a personal trip, I would pick up the phone, call the artists living in that city and uh, go meet them, take my camera. Because it is a self-funded uh, Project. I call it a project now. It's 20 years that I started 
photographing artists for the longest time. I could never have called it a project because it was just a passion of photographing the artist. In hindsight, now I feel it has become one of the biggest archives of an Indian artist having photographed fellow artists, gallerists, curators, even collectors of India in one composite project. Because it is completely self-funded, I remember I would always be at a loss of wanting to photograph artists in their respective cities, but I didn't have the funds to go to that city. So I would call the galleries, uh, the gallerists actually, in, uh, in the city, in Delhi, if they were to have an exhibition of a visiting artist and ask them, when is a good time for me to, to photograph the artists when they are coming? Or sometimes if I knew the artist well, I would just pick up the phone and say, hey, when are you coming to Delhi? Which is the day for me to photograph you? And um, more often than not, all artists were very comfortable. And those who weren't, I completely understood because sometimes you don't want to be disturbed, you know. So I would photograph them later after the display had happened. Uh, this is how actually my project, which I called Artist Through the Lens, started. It's 20 years now, and uh, it's a huge, huge archive, and it's ongoing. It's, I'm not as active as I was then, but uh, as and when I go outside my city or an artist who is not part of my project, they come to the city, I do make an effort to photograph them. Having said that, I, I also started the Pakistan leg of the project, and you will ask me why Pakistan? Well, both my parents, as I mentioned, are refugees from India's partition. They came to India and uh, Pakistan always had a very beautiful feeling for me when I would hear the name in my heart, simply because my parents, over the many conversations they have with me and my brother, they would talk about it as home, which it was. And uh, therefore, for me, the love of going to my parents' land always, always was at the back of my heart and mind. It is when I went to Pakistan for a solo of my paintings, I just carried my camera and told my friends who were there, take me to artist studios. And I started photographing Pakistani artists in their studios in Lahore and Karachi. I didn't know what it'll have in for me till I came back. Because what transpired when I was photographing the artist was these amazing conversations, absolutely heartfelt conversations. Many artists would speak to me about their parents who had come from India. Some of the elders spoke about their home in India. This is before they came to Pakistan, post-partition. And I realized the stories of my parents and my relatives in India are absolutely akin to the stories of those in Pakistan. And both sets of people remember the other side as home and with a lot of love. What we hear is a very distorted version of the other land. But what I experienced there was only love. And what I experienced here from people who have left their home from there is also only love. And I came back and it just didn't leave me. And then I decided I have to bring this love together. 
Of course, visas are not easy to get. So I call my my project, which I made post my return from Pakistan, called Postcards from Home. I I call it so because it was about memories of both sets of Indians and Pakistani artists who had a shared connection with partition. I call this project such because it is about their home which they lost. This project would not have happened if I didn't have technology. I use WhatsApp as a tool to do my research on the Pakistan side of the project. I call it my six-lane highway. I got in touch with all the Pakistani artists who had shared their stories about their home in India, and I asked them to write a few words about what it was when they had their home here, or their parents or grandparents had their home here. On the other side, in India, I decided to send messages to my friends who I had been anyway photographing for almost 17 years that time, asking them if they have a partition connect. And you'll ask me why I chose and who did I choose from the Indians. Frankly, I wouldn't have known which Indians had a shared connect with partition of India because I hadn't had those conversations with them, unlike my recent Pakistan visit where I had those conversations. So I knew who had come from India. So I chose Punjabi and Sindhi surname friends, artist friends, and I made a common message asking all of them. I sent them WhatsApp messages asking them if their parents or grandparents had a connect. Within minutes, within a few hours, within a day or two, I started getting messages from both sides of the border. Beautiful stories, photographs, anecdotes of their parents, grandparents, or themselves about their home. And then was born Postcards from Home, my project on partition of India. So actually, here I am painting, sculpting. Simultaneously, I'm photographing the Indian and the Pakistani art world. And from this project, which was called Artist Through the Lens, was born Postcards from Home. It was, it was only after I was photographing the Pakistani and the Indian artists that I realized I could bring 47 stories together of the partition of India, seen through the eyes of the art world. The project, which was shown at the Lahore Biennale in 2017 for the inaugural Lahore Biennale, was sponsored by Kiranada Museum. It went on to be shown at the Kochi Biennale as an invited collateral by the Kiranada Museum. When I was going through an emotionally rough patch in my life, we always do, I always listened to my heart. I saw myself picking feathers. As I walked in the morning from my morning walks, I didn't know what I'll do with them. Something made me want to pick up the feathers. I would come back and put them in the glass bowl. Slowly, they came into my paintings as watercolors. Soon, I started seeing them in a sculptural form. I started sewing them on large 
mesh before they became sculptures. And I realized here I was picking up feathers of a happy bird which has flown past, putting them together, possibly so that I could fly again like the bird I was. So all I want to say is that sometimes, and possibly many times, we go by our instinct. We let our heart ride us. I do that. I do that all the time. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I do it. And there's always something awaiting me. And I tell young minds, my children and their friends, keep listening to that inner voice. Keep listening to those soft knocks on your door of heart. Open your heart. Allow them to come in. It'll find its way through you, for you. For around six years now, I've been working on pin-incised drawings. And how did that come about? It started with actually a major surgery my husband had to go through. And I realized that he had to be cut open to heal, to breathe, to live again. And that's how I started actually incising pins on this particular watercolor I was making because the act of pinning that paper was an act of violence on that paper, was an act of incising a pin through a virgin surface, a quiet virgin surface. And if the paper had to say something, it would have said, ouch. But the paper was breathing. And the more I incised on the paper, the paper was breathing more. So the act of actually incising a paper was actually making the paper breathe more and look more beautiful because as I kept incising, the paper started becoming a new form. And that is how something as small as making four incised drawings of arteries and veins actually has now become a major body of my work. And I want to add here that sometimes something very small in in the way you deal with things can take on a huge dimension, both positively and negatively. In this case, I felt a very difficult period in my life of a lot of pain and being the caregiver for my husband, who himself was in a lot of pain, started something as magical as what is happening now as in large pin drawings. So gratitude for what I went through, despite the pain, because the universe had a plan for me. In me starting a new body of work, which is my large scrolls and pin drawings. This small act of pinning a paper for a particular time in my life became actually a very big thought process, finding its own momentum. I've gone on to do not just small, but huge, huge scrolls, all pin-incised, white on white. Where I've used black, I've pinned the paper from the back. So when the paper is pinned from the back, 
through the black surface, what comes out is white pulp. Beautiful, organic. This is where I am currently. And I, I see myself doing this body of work with a lot of passion, love, and gratitude for all that life has made me go through. Even though it was painful then, but I wouldn't be where I am without that pain. And I would like to therefore add that when we go through what we do in life, however difficult, painful that time must be, but there's always gratitude because we can make the most of it. And the universe is helping us if we allow it to help us to take our lives to the next step. At the point of time I am in my life, I'm in a lot of gratitude. I also realize that there is a plan waiting for us, always. We must keep working, loving what we do, and then allowing surrender for the universe will decide our course. This is Manisha Gera Baswani and you're listening to MASH Podcast.